Only the Bulls. <laughs> only the Bulls. Only the one and only Chicago Bulls. From the University of Illinois via Morgan Park Academy, Ayo Dusumu. Welcome to this weekend edition of Second City Sports Zoom Style. Zoom Style. Pardon my horrible introduction. If you like it, great. If you don't, we still love you. <laughs> with along with Miss Lakina McGee, I am Sydney Brown. You can follow yours truly on the Twitter and the IG at SidK80. Once again, at SidK80. That's S I D K I D eight zero. S I D K I D eight zero. You can follow me at Kina McGee on the Twitter and at Kina underscore McGee on the IG. You can follow this podcast, Second City Sports, first here on YouTube at War Media. Once again, at WAR Media. Videos drop every Monday and Friday. Once again, videos drop every Monday and Friday right here on YouTube at War Media. You can catch the audio version of this podcast at War on Anchor. Once again, at WARR on Anchor. You can find us wherever you download your podcast. Make sure you type in that search engine box, War on Anchor, WARR on Anchor. You can go to our website, WeAreRigoRadio.com. And you can follow us on all social media platforms, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at War Media. Once again, at W-A-R-R Media. That's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube at War Media. And thank you very much for your support. Like, share, subscribe, and tell your friends. What I was calling, tell them to hang up. Sorry <laughs> <laughs> about that in the background, folks. Oh, my God. That's nobody but my sister, so she knows I do my podcast about this time. So, you know, I, I hate when she calls, but and we have very different opinions. Uh, you just heard just now. On that note. <laughs> and on that note, uh, let's not, not somber news, unless you're a Cubs fan, but let's start our, start off this episode <laughs> with the news on the Chicago Cubs. As Lakina will represent the Chicago Cubs fans everywhere. Anthony Rizzo was traded early on, well, late Thursday afternoon after their loss to the Cincinnati Reds in exchange for two prospects. Of course, reliever Ryan Tapera was traded to the White Sox. We'll break down that deal from the White Sox perspective later. As of this podcast, as we should let you guys know, our, especially in our listening audience, we are recording this podcast on Friday, July 30, 30th. And if there's any more moves to be made, we'll review those on our next episode coming up next week. But as of right now, those are the only two moves that are being made for the Chicago Cubs. Of course, will Chris Bryant be dealt by the time we get back next week, Lakina? Will Javi Baez be gone? Uh, the trade talks between those two players are heating up as we record this. Uh, as we said, Lakina, as I told you during the all, uh, before the All-Star break, the Cubs were between eight and ten games out. This was over. Jay Hoyer, the GM of the Cubs, had made up his mind, and he's going to go ahead with, with the proceedings. Of course, as of this recording, Craig Kimball is, is still out there. So, Lakina, the, the, the truck has been backed up, and it could be worse by the time we get back here next week. <laughs> yeah, I think if you're a Cubs fan, you're not feeling very good right now. I mean – we warned everyone and, and said, look, if they were, and said, just said, if they were eight to 10 games out the NL Central, unfortunately they lost to Cincinnati. So that kind of, you know, got the Briggs truck backing up. Yeah, it, it was a bummer too, because we, you know, Coast fans didn't get a chance to see 
Rizzo at bat for one last time. You know, they, you know, he and KB, you know, Chris Bryant were both, you know, resting. So took them out of the, we're taking out of the lineup. So I guess that that was sort of protect their assets, which is understandable. But again, you know, they could have mm -hmm. maybe did a curtain call or something. If you saw that video that went viral with Chris Bryant sort of like, you know, soaking in the uh, Wrigley Field because he figured that that was going to be the last, probably going to be there for the last time as a Cub anyway. So, you know, that was, you know, a, a really, you know, sort of surreal moment. Also, the surreal moment when the news of the trade came down, Rizzo and his family, you know, took a tour of Wrigley. You know, they took, he took some pictures by right feet, by left field, I think. And, you know, that kind of went viral as well. Just sort of a surreal moment. I mean, 31 years old, you know, he's been through a lot. And when he came to the Cubs organization before he even, you know, you know, prior to, if you, you know his backstory, you know, survived cancer as a young child, you know, actually not even, you know, beat it, but also persevered to becoming one of the top mm -hmm. baseball players in the league and that, you know, in Cubs history and, you know, the, the Cubs, you know, the, their social media team, you know, they're really good, probably one of the best mm -hmm. in the majors, you know, saw this, you know, puts this little over 30, over three minutes, I should say, video of him, you know, mm -hmm. going from his first game and also the last game. It's already been viewed as of right now about one and a half million times on their social media feed. So that's just incredible. So, and, and this is just, you know, I think Cubs fans are sort of bracing themselves that, yeah, this is going to get worse, folks, unfortunately. KB might be gone, Baez might be gone, and look, you're going to, it, it's not, it's not going to be good for the next few, you know, for these next, you know, year or two. So I think, you know, Cubs fans are, you know, are kind of like, you know, getting ready to, you know, to, to do that. And look, they got some good prospects back. Um, Alcantara, you know, Alexander Vizcaino, and, you know, outfielder Kevin Alcantara, you know, they're both actually pretty solid prospects from the Yankees. So, you know, they actually, you know, got a nice little, the Cubs got a nice little haul. And look, I'm sure Jed Hoyer didn't want to do it didn't want to make the trade, but unfortunately his hands were tied. So, and we'll see what else happens. You know, Kimbrell, you know, is being interested by both the Dodgers and the Rays and KB is being interested, you know, too, by the Dodgers and the, and the you know, by the, actually the Red Sox and also the Rays, you know, actually they may not be now that Schwarber is actually going to be there. So Nationals, they're doing a fire sale. We'll get to them in a minute, but it, it's just, you know, just definitely a surreal moment. And I think, Look, who knows? Maybe, maybe Rizzo might be back, you know, and signed to maybe a two-year deal or something. Maybe at a reduced price. Who knows what what will happen in there? But you know, he's definitely going to be one of those you know Cubs you know faces that will be remembered forever, even if he doesn't come back. Yeah, much respect to Anthony Rizzo. He's was going to go down as one of the all-time Cub fans' favorite players, and rightfully so. He helped their franchise break a hundred eight-year curse and winning the World Series. And he's also helped out with the ch uh, children's charities as a cancer survivor himself off the field. So he delved into the community right away. And so fans appreciate him for it. So he should be re remembered for that as well. Now, as far as on the field, he gave it his all. He was the face of that franchise, especially along with the other superstars that were on that 2016 team with a young Javi Baez. Uh, Kyle Schwarber, of course, veteran John Lester was there to bring the fold and help bring a World Series in which their whole group did. So Anthony Rizzo is a, a stand-up guy. I know he did a, a weekly radio show in Chicago on ESPN 1000. He was doing it uh, this season with uh, David Kaplan and our guy Jonathan Hood on their uh, new morning show, and he did a good job. So uh, he, he's a New York Yankee now. He's going to do great things, I'm sure, with that organization. 
If you want to see Anthony Rizzo for you, some of you Cub fans, the Yankees will be here in two weeks at Sox Park. Just saying. Mm. So, uh, Anthony Rizzo, he'll be missed by Cub fans. Uh, he, he, he did his job to the best of his ability, both, both on and off the field. He will be missing. He will be remembered for what he did for the 2016 team forever, but also he should be remembered what he did off the field. I'm sure he's going to continue to do that as well. Yeah, I think they'll definitely be doing it with some cancer charities, like you said, said with children's cancer charities. And look, who knows how long, you know, at, look, the Cubs got a pretty nice haul for a rental, you know, for the Yankees, you know, from the Yankees for like a rental guy. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, you know, sort of surprised that the Yankees are able to kind of bet the farm, if you will. I guess they're trying to go for um, the, the, the one of the AL wildcard spots. And, you know, we'll get to them in a minute. But I, I kind of feel like I think if you're you know, Coast fans, it's sort of the inevitable. I don't think, you know, a lot of Coast fans are emotionally ready for the inevitable. You know, with mm-hmm. one shoe, you know, the one, you know, shoe was dropped with, with Rizzo being traded. We'll see if Baez and Bryant and Kim, well, not, well, the core, I should say. So we'll see what happens mm-hmm. there. But it's not the first um, sort of big trade to happen. Um, the Blue Jays got some much needed. Um, pitching help. They got Jose Barrios from the Twins. You know, had to give up a couple of their prospects, but you know, the pitching was something that they really, really needed. And also, to uh, this weekend, uh, they're back in Toronto now. Finally, um, Bo Bichette. If you guys mm-hmm. subscribe to the Players Tribute, he wrote a really nice article about how hard you know the last couple of years have been for the for the for the team. You know, having to travel, you know, back and forth, having various you know homes. Mm-hmm. Now they're back you know, they're back in Toronto and you got to think that that'll def- that could definitely help. And also getting Barrios, one of the, the top pitchers for them, for the twins, I think this can only help them in that chase to get one of those AL wildcard spots. We talked about it all year, Lakina, about Toronto. I don't like their starting pitching staff. Their bullpen is eh at best. They have the offense, and that's why they're still hanging around the American League wildcard race. As you remember, before the season started, I picked them in Oakland. I believe it was them in Oakland or them in Houston to play in the AL wildcard game. And as I said, for Toronto, they're going to have – someone's got to step up in that starting rotation. Well, congrats to them. Uh, Toronto's management team, they picked up Jose Barrios from Minnesota. He's really going to help them, barring injury, of course. But he's really going to help them because, as we said before, Lakina, these last few weeks, the AL wildcard race is getting crowded and it's definitely going to get interesting um, from now until the end of the season. It's just getting started. It's not going anywhere. Yeah, and I think, like you said, so I think we'll especially once – this is actually one of the few times I'm glad we're – I wish we were alive because we could talk about all this stuff because there's a lot of – these trades are coming yeah. in, you know, fast and furious. There's this mega trade between the Nationals and the Dodgers that will send Trey Turner and also Matt Scherzer from, the, the, from D.C. to the Dodgers. And this is interesting because earlier on Thursday morning, there were rumors that they were going to go to the Padres. Dodgers said, uh-uh, uh, said, no, 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 not on our watch. So, you know, once it's official now, I think they're still working on some of the, uh, some, I guess, some of the prospects that would, that Dodgers would send to them. But, you know, look, they said these are coming out fast and furious. Of course, you know, this is going to be a very interesting trade deadline. We'll see if any more names, you know, can get traded. And I, I think, wait a minute, hold on. I think we just got another kind of breaking news. Um, Eddie Rosario you know, the, you know, Cleveland sending him to the Braves for Pablo Sandoval. So they, you know, the Braves get some much needed help, you know, much needed depth in the outfield, of course, with Acuna now, 
you know, of course, done for the year. They're going to need sort of like add that depth. <laughs> they're trying to go for not only the National League East, but also the, the wild, you know, the wild card there too is getting kind of crowded there. So a lot of teams are kind of making moves and he's also the Cubs and the White Sox. We'll talk, we'll talk more about the White Sox to see if they make any more moves with our good buddy Jordan Lozowski of Sox on 35th.com, you know, a little later on, but not the not the Cubs not the Cubs Sox trail was kind of expected. Oh, as some people were saying that maybe that by Jose you know Javier Baez I should say you know perhaps maybe he might go to the White Sox. But look, they got you know the Sox kid. What they needed is a good middle relief guy, and Ryan Tapera is definitely <laughs> just that. He was one of the better. He's definitely one of the better middle relievers for the Cubs. He was one of the reasons why the Cubs had that great stretch, of like that six seven week stretch where they didn't give up any runs, or they, I think they only gave up maybe eight hits during that span. So. They got a really nice, you know, a really solid middle relief guy in Tapera. Yeah, on the Ryan Tapera uh, move, like like you said, we'll get into in more in depth later with our guest. But uh, me personally, you know, uh, we've been harping for Andrew Chafin for the last few weeks on this show to go to the White Sox. I wonder if GM Rick Hahn even called the Cubs. Well, called uh, we know he called the Cubs, but did he ask about Andrew Chafin? If he did, did the Cubs want the quote unquote house uh, uh, for Andrew Chafin? We don't know. We'll probably never know. I thought he would have been a better fit before the White Sox bullpen because he's a left-hander. He can get guys out, and it's an upgrade from Aaron Bummer. But Ryan Tapera is not a bad move. I'm, I'm satisfied with it. Now you can have him, Kopech, and Liam Hendricks. Whether you have Liam Hendricks for a five-out save or your traditional three-out save come postseason, that's going to be perfect for the White Sox. And if somebody else decides to step up in that bullpen, that'll be great too. So Michael Kopech's arm won't, won't be blown out. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So you, if you just had Kopech and Hendricks and maybe one of those other starters that couldn't make it in the starting rotation come postseason time, they get thrown in the bullpen, it would have been disastrous. But Ryan Tapera helps this White Sox bullpen. It upgrades them a lot. Yeah, and also depth, too. I think that's really what, mm-hmm. like you said, so they don't, you don't have to, you know, depend on Kopech all the time. And from that last series against, you know, Kansas City, you really need it. So I'm thinking that's probably, you know, Tapera come, is probably coming at the right time um, for the White Sox. What other trades so far, or what potential trades, I should say, is something that you're looking for, you're looking, you know, is it sort of like one of those trades you're sort of like, hmm, okay, and then you're like, huh? Were there like you? Know, were there any trades or potential trades that got you feeling like that? Oh, uh, the Max Scherzer, Max Scherzer trade uh, you just mentioned a couple moments ago. Uh, the San Diego Padres were in line to get him. Uh, shout out to Dodgers GM Andrew Freeman who worked in Tampa Bay. Uh, he was aggressive enough. You know, Dodge, the Dodgers don't give up too many top prospects. That's the reason why they've been so successful for so long, especially when eight or nine consecutive National League West Division titles. This is the reason why. And now they're giving up their four top prospects for Matt Scherzer and Trey Turner. Uh, congratulations to them. Tells me a couple of things. One, the San Francisco Giants, as we said before, Lakin, they're not going anywhere. Number two, San Diego still breathing down their neck. They kept them away for the Padres. Number three, the Trevor Bauer situation. They're preparing as he's, if he's not going to pitch uh, the rest of this season. As we said a couple of weeks ago, what would Andrew Freeman do, assuming that Trevor Bauer doesn't pitch this year? They still have Clayton Kershaw, even though he's on the other side of his career. Walker Beal is still young enough. He's the ace of that staff. David Price, who missed last year due to COVID concerns, he's in their bullpen, but they didn't want to put him out there as a starter again. I think 
Mr. Price didn't want to be a starter again for what I've heard. So we said at the time, the last couple of weeks, what was Andrew Freeman going to do? Well, he p- pulled out the biggest move for the Dodgers. Will this help them win the division? It's going to be tough, especially at the, uh, they lost uh, earlier this week by the Bay. I think San, San Francisco and the Dodgers play one more time during uh, Labor Day weekend. Mm-hmm. But will this guarantee the Dodgers another divisional championship? It could. I'm not saying it's a guarantee, but they have, they're in much better position now than they were uh, a few days ago. Yeah, that's a, a very interesting point, Sid. I mean, the fact that the Dodgers are basically, you know, giving up their farm, if you will, to try to get to, you know, to get Scherzer and uh, Turner. But yeah, it's going to be very interesting what they do because, yeah, like you said, I mean, they, you know, we'll see the Giants pull off any moves, you know, they kept the Padres from getting Scherzer. And, you know, I think that was <laughs> that kind of, if you're a Padres fan, you're thinking, Ew, you're, you're sort of like, you know, shaking, yeah. you're sort of like, you know, like shaking your fists, like, why, why? But, you know, but that's, you know, that's also, but, um, also, too, I think for here's me, a, no, but here's the thing, though. For me, like, it, it's a Joey Gallo sure. trade from the from Texas, you know, from the Rangers. I mean, like, it's sort of interesting. He's going to the Yankees. I, I look, I, I think they need another bat. I think pitch is really more for what they would need. But again, that that's another, you know, that's sort of another thing. But we'll see if they get any pitching. But I think I think Gallo is sort of one of those guys where I, I think they really, yeah. Look, there have been other teams, you know, that that have, you know, have been wanting for him, but it, it's, a, he is an outfielder. He could, he could, you know, he'd play first base and also third base. So, you know, he is very versatile in that respects, but I'm kind of wondering, like, are they going to perhaps maybe make a trade to get a pitcher, particularly a middle reliever? We'll see what they do. I mean, they, they traded for Rizzo. So, but you, like, come on, Yankees, you need pitching. So that, that's sort of like one of those trades. You're sort of like, okay, hmm, that, that's a little bit, that's a little odd that they would do that. I mean, not that – look, you never have two to get bats, but pitching is really what they need. But what do I know? <laughs> Maybe the Yankees will just think they can outslug everybody. They're looking at what Boston's doing. They're look, looking at what Tampa Bay's doing. Even though Tampa Bay's not a traditional slugging team. I know they picked up Nelson Cruz a couple of weeks ago from Minnesota. They're looking at them. And say maybe we can copy that same model, and hopefully somebody from that starting staff can get hot outside of Garrett Cole. I know Domingo Herman had a great start uh, last Sunday at Boston before the bullpen uh, uh, gave it away and the whole thing collapsed. So maybe the the Yankees are hoping on a wing and a prayer, but we'll see what happens when when we reconvene next week if they uh, picked up a starting pitcher. But going wrapping up on 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 the Dodgers for just a minute. They're still without Mookie Betts. I'm sure he'll return in a couple of weeks. And also, too, for San Diego, uh, you, you like to like their um, their management. They're going for it. I know they had, they were stacking up prospects for the last couple of years as well. I know they made the playoffs last year and lost to the Dodgers. But you like the aggressiveness of their front office. Uh, they're saying, oh, the time is now we have the pieces. Let's go for it. you got to give them respect for that. If it helps, I might unmute myself, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, but I mean, look, you got to give the Padres, you know, some props they are going for. And one of the things that they, they did load, you know, for the last, you know, for two or three years, they loaded on the, uh, their prospects and such. So that, you know, sort of helped them perhaps maybe we'll see if they can make any more moves. They lost out on Scherzer. So we'll see if they make any moves. Uh, we'll see if other, other names are going to be on the move. Could, you know, Chris Bryant, he's sort of like the big one, of the big prize. Also Craig Kimball too. I mean, Looks a lot of teasing the relievers, so 
I know the rest I unless I saw the Rays have been you know made a play for them, but also to the Dodgers they need a a, a reliever too because Kelly Jansen just doesn't has seemed to have lost it so we'll see there's a lot there's still a lot of big names out there and we'll see if they're traded. Yeah, do you think that the, the Dodgers are in the are the runners up? Not saying runners up, but they're the front runners to get Mr. Kimbrough because, like you said, Kenley Jansen has been up and down this year. If they, I think if they got any any um, prospects of the trade, I think I'm sure Jed Hoyer is not just going to give them to him. So yeah, mm-hmm. the Rays have a little bit more prospects, but again, they may not want to part with one of their top guys. So if you're the Dodgers, are you going to maybe eat up some of his salary and maybe perhaps, you know, give, give one of your, one of your top prospects to him, the ones that you got left from the, the Scherzer deal. So we'll see what, we'll see what happens. I'm sure, you know, Kimbrough's sort of like, you're thinking, okay, where I'm going to be, you know, this weekend. So, <laughs> so this is sort of this is a time of year where you're thinking, okay, what's going to happen here. So it'll be very interesting. No doubt about it. You're listening to the weekend edition of Second City Sports, along with Lakina McGee. I am Cindy Brown. So we discuss MLB trade deadline 2021 as we record this program as of fr- Friday, July 30th. To remind our listeners on the podcast, our podcast network, War Media, War on Anchor. Lakina, let's uh, go to Boston. Cal Schwarber, the former Chicago Cub, he has 25 home runs on the season. He used to play for the Washington Nationals. Now he is traded to the Boston Red Sox. As I said before, Lakina, uh, I don't like Boston's pitching staff. I know they have Nathan Ivaldi and um, they have Rodriguez. I know Chris Hill is supposed to be back sometime in August, but they're, the reason for their success has been the offense. I told you I like Rafael Devers. He's the best offensive third baseman in the American League, perhaps in all of baseball. Of course, you have my man, Alice Verdugo, at center field. Of course, you have J- – J- I like Verdugo's hair. It's not as wild as Justin Turner's or the Dodgers, but it's coming pretty damn close. <laughs> also, you have J.D. Martinez uh, playing some first base in DH, but their lineup just got stronger with Kyle Schwarber. I know some folks in White Sox Nation are afraid of the Astros if they meet up in the playoffs. And I said Oakland for yours truly, but – I think, at least on paper, Boston can uh, give the White Sox a scare. Now, I know they played, already played four games in Boston early in the season in the two-team split. I know, I know the Red Sox come here in September, uh, September 10th through the 12th uh, for a three-game series on the south side. But on paper, that's a scary lineup. And it could give White Sox pitching trouble if they're not careful. Well, I think it could. Well, I think the Red Sox are pretty much doing what the Yankees are trying to do, trying to outslug everybody because their pitching is not very good. So, if you're a Red Sox fan, you're hoping that you know your your pitchers don't get cold, especially at the end of the season going into the playoffs, because you're gonna wish you had had the pitching. So, I think this is what sort of the thought process is for the Red Sox. I mean, look, they're they're hanging on, even though the Rays are still right behind them at one and a half back. <laughs> so, I think having Schwarber, I think they they get that power hitter that they've missed, but again. You know, mm-hmm. another ALEs team that needs pitching more than they do hitting. And this is sort of one of those things where, yes, you can try to outslug people, but again, when you get to the playoffs, pitching is what's going to win you games. So, you know, yeah, Schwarber, you know, gives them a nice and more depth in that lineup for the Red Sox. But again, you know, his OPS is really good, but, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't know. I don't know if, look, I love Schwarber. You know, I'm glad he's still, you know, hitting and, you know, hitting the the, the doors off uh, baseballs. But again, 
you know, you're going to, again, pitch is going to be the thing and we'll see if they, if they make any moves to try to get a pitcher. I think the Red Sox do need another start, but I think that Chris Sale, whenever he returns, I think there'll be their version of a trade deadline acquisition. Now on the flip side for their bullpen, which has pretty much been okay. I'm sure that their front office has called Jed Hoyer in, in regards to uh, Craig Kimbrell. I want. I really want to know what's the asking price uh, from uh, from from Boston in terms of well, what they should do to acquire Kimbrel. Well, look, like to, I said, for him to return back to Red Sox. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, this is look, look. I mean, Hoyer's not just going to give you guys anyone Kimbrel. Like you're going to have to. Okay, you know, he's got the next big prize, mm-hmm. you know, in Kimbrel. So he's not just yeah. going to give you two. Look, let's remember who, you know, who kind of was his mentor, Theo Epstein. So he's not just going to give you, you know, Kimbrel. Like, you're going to have to make it worth his while. So you're going to have to maybe give up one of your prospects. I just saw someplace somewhere where the White Sox have, you know, tried to get Kimbrel. Uh, look, I, I don't know if they, they may not have. You're going to probably have to give it Andrew Vaughn or somebody like that to probably have somebody try, you know, and get him. We'll ask Jordan about that in a little bit. But, you know, I think, look, like, like you said, I think, look, Jed's very crafty, so I'm sure he's going to say, hey, look, here's Craig Kimball. I know there are a lot of you guys, at least half a dozen of you guys who are in playoff contention are going to want him. You're going to have to make it worth his, you know, mm-hmm. worth his while to be able to part with him. He's, just gonna, he's just not going to give him to you, so we'll see what he does. And look, just to cap off this um, trade deadline um, thing, but uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see where he goes. I mean, he's going he's gonna to make a difference for somebody now. We'll does he go back to the Red Sox? Does he go to the White Sox? Does he go to the Dodgers out west? Or maybe down or maybe down mm-hmm. south to the Rays? We don't know. We'll find out. We'll talk about it on Monday. Um, before we move on, Lakina, let's get the Milwaukee Brewers credit as well. This will uh, uh, affect the White Sox. We'll ask Jordan about this as well when he hops on with us in our next segment. Eduardo Escobar was traded from Arizona to Milwaukee. I think it helps Milwaukee a lot, especially in depth among the infield, and he can hit as well. And the Brewers, I hate to say they got that NL Central division wrapped up. They're they're the poor version of the White Sox in the NL. Uh, They're not a scary team, but uh, they're good enough to win that division going away. Uh, Well, I want to ask Jordan about this. We, we know that the reports are out there, especially with Bob Nightingale, great writer from U.S. baseball writer from USA Today, that the White Sox were more than just sniffing around Escobar uh, during the July 4th weekend. And everybody in Sox Nation was asking Rick Hahn to make that deal happen right away. As we told you guys, the asking price was too high. Uh, um, I'm just curious, when I woke up this morning, uh, when Rick Hahn, I'm sure he talked with Diamondbacks management over the last couple of days, was the asking price still at what it was a month ago? Was it more? I'm struggling for those listening exclusively on our podcast. And that, that's the, the questions I want answered. Will we get answers to all those? Probably not. But I'm going off the assumption that the asking price was a little bit more higher than what it was about a month ago for Escobar. I'm sure it was. If that, if that, right, if that was the case, if you rate kind of, as we said before, you make the best deal possible, but you don't have to mortgage the future too much for a rental. And it seems like that's what he did with these two acquisitions in Tapera and uh, Cesar Hernandez from, from Cleveland. Yeah, like, and look, we'll ask Jordan about this later. But, uh, yeah, to kind of put a capper on this, 
Yeah, I mean, we'll see. I mean, look, I'm sure the Kimbrough, I'm sure the ask, I'm sure Jeff Horace is going to be asking for a lot. And I don't know if maybe Raycom might not want to, you know, make that move. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. And we'll, like I said, we'll, we'll talk about it with Jordan a little bit. But yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, I think it's going to be interesting to see who wins the Craig Kimbrough sweepstakes. Yep, it should be fun. All right. So, um, you know, we'll go through the old, uh, the matchups for this weekend real quick. You got the Cubs going up against the Nationals, who seem to be, you know, they're going to rebuild mode as well. You got Philadelphia and Pittsburgh. You got Kansas City and Toronto. Excuse me, back in Toronto. That should, you know, I'm sure, you know, I can imagine the emotion of the fans there. I know they've been waiting for I, I think they're still kind of limiting mm-hmm. how many fans could actually be at the park. So we'll see. I can only imagine what the emotion is going to be for the players and also for the fans there as well. Baltimore and Detroit. Boston and Tampa Bay, that should be a very interesting one there in the yes. East. Um, you got Cincy and the Mets, who are suddenly, they're kind of like, you know, going up and down there. We'll see what that happens. Um, the Yankees and the Marlins. The, the Marlins, you know, the Marlins, oh, wait, uh, the, the Milwaukee and the Braves. I lost my place there for a second. You got Seattle and <laughs> Texas. You got the White Sox against Cleveland. Let's see what else here. You got Minnesota and St. Louis. You got Oakland and the Los Angeles Angels of Orange County. <laughs> um, you got the Dodgers. <laughs> got the Dodgers and the Diamondbacks. They shouldn't, they shouldn't have any troubles there, the Dodgers. I mean, you got Houston, San Francisco, and Colorado, and San Diego. Stay classy, San Diego. So those are your matchups for this weekend in Major League Baseball. Yep. So those series should be fun. Yours surely will be at the games for those of you listening to our podcast tonight and tomorrow. It's the White Sox battle, the Indians on the South side. Tonight is Johan Makata bobblehead. Now you'll surely get his fourth bobblehead of the season. Oh. All right. Got Giolito, Tim Anderson, and somebody else. So I'll get a Johan Makata bobblehead tonight. For those of you, those of you in the Chicago area who are going to that game. Uh, if you haven't purchased your, your tickets, purchase them now. As we said before, White Sox tickets are going fast. Uh, this team is getting hot. They're on their way to the division time. You know where to go get them. Go to that website for more details. Uh, tonight's game is the first 20,000. We'll get a Johan Mercado bobblehead. So purchase your tickets for tonight's game to get your Johan Mercado bobblehead. Then that's all the free advertisers we'll get from me. <laughs> with the bobbleheads. All right, so, so let's go to the hard word in these last few minutes of the first segment. You got the NBA draft that commenced on Thursday night, of course, as expected, Kate Cunningham, the National Player of the Year from Oklahoma State. He's going to Detroit. Detroit, you know, we'll see mm-hmm. what happens. They got a young core there. We'll see how the Pistons look like next year. He seems ready and willing and, and eager to work, so we'll see what he does. Also, to Jalen Green, who, if you don't have heard the name, unless you're a really big basketball fan, he was with the G League mm-hmm. team Ignite, so he goes to Houston. Houston kind of had a nice little draft. They had like about 100 picks, so there's, of course they were going to have a good draft there. Evan Mobley, the Pac-12 player of the year from USC, he went to Cleveland. Scotty Barge from Florida State, he goes to Toronto. And Jalen Suggs, you know, from Gonzaga, of course. All-American, he goes to Orlando, so those are your top five. Now, the big story, it was at 38. Of course, the Bulls did not have a, a first-round pick, but they pick Io DeSumo, the consensus All-American. Also, a Chicago guy won a, a, a state championship when he was at Morgan Park. You know, three years, you know, three-time All-Big Big Ten, also consensus All-American. You know, some, look, I, 
I, I kind of look, I, there were rumors, you know, some of the people that I know on Facebook and Twitter were saying that if, if IO was there at 38, would the OAK Neversley take him? They did just that. Now, there were some people that said they should, you know, maybe they should have went, um, went ahead and got Jared Butler, who, of course, you know, was the uh, most outstanding player in the final four for Baylor. He ended up going to the Pelicans. And now, of course, actually now he's going to go into Utah. And also, too, um, okay, uh, I had to get on our friend, uh, Ricky, Ricky, Ricky O'Donnell, who does a great job with SB Nation. You know, she wanted Sharif, <laughs> Coop, he, he wanted Sharif Cooper, who was, you know, the, the guard from Auburn, I believe the SEC player of the year, if I'm not mistaken, or maybe, maybe all SEC, I think, you know, because he, he's a point guard. Of course, that's what the Bulls have been lacking the last few years, but he ended up going to Atlanta. It's going to be in a nice, that should be a nice little backcourt with him and a Trey Young. But he said that it was a very, you know, going for AO was very guard packs. I had to tell him, look, you can disagree with the pick. That's fine. But to say that as a guard packs pick, like you're kind of insulting IO who has, look, is he, a, is he the guy that's going to facilitate the offense? No, but he can do so much more. I know people are comparing him to Kobe White. Oh, he's just a slightly bigger Kobe White. That's sort of insulting him too. And look, he's going to sell tickets just once you get people back in the, in the UC. So I think this is a good pick for the Bulls. I, I mean, look, I, I think, look, there's a reason why uh, Cooper ended up going 48. What was the excuse there? He was actually supposed to have been a, a late first rounder. So how did he end up going 48 to Atlanta, you know, in the middle of the second round? I mean, something, it, must have some, it must have something that they didn't like. So I don't know what happened, you know, I don't know what happened with him and his stock. But again, I think this is a nice pick for uh, Chicago. I couldn't agree more. A couple of things on DeSumo. One, I thought he was a mid to late first round pick. The way he slid out, I was shocked. And I'm taking my personal fandom out of this. Uh, the, he was first-round talent. You know, he was a first-round talent for a reason. But I'm with you that uh, Arturis Konishevis and GM Mark Eversley got a steal. Now, I know some, not all, but I'm sure some meathead Bulls fans are going to say, since we need a point, go, oh, the sumo solves all of our problems. No, he doesn't. There's no disrespect to Ayo, but he doesn't solve all your problems. You still need a veteran point guard. The goal, obviously, the goal is to win a championship, but the first goal for this Bulls organization is to make the playoffs. And how you do that, you have three stars. You already have two, you already have two in Zach Levine and Nikolai, uh, uh, Nikolai Vucevic. Vucevic. Vucevic, Vucevic okay? You, you still need a veteran point guard. We saw uh, last year Kobe White is not the answer. He's your Vinnie Johnson coming off the bench, and that's okay. Are you still going to get... Alonzo Ball, will you go after Dennis Trudeau? Well, I think as from a basketball perspective, it's, it's not a good move because he's an older version of Kobe White. You don't need that on this team. Uh, do you go after Deontay Murray, who I think is a better fit after Alonzo Ball? So you, this is a more reason why the Bulls need to go out and get a veteran point guard. This is a, a, a much-needed move now more than ever because you drafted Ayo Dusumo to be the future, but if you ask him to step in right now, he doesn't know the plays. He doesn't know the system. It's going to take him some time. I know so fans don't want to hear that, but that's how it happens because he's a rookie. This team is ready to make that jump to get into the playoffs. And Ayo Dusumu is good, but he's not good enough to carry a team to the playoffs. Not, not yet. That's why the Bulls now more than ever need a veteran point guard, and they need one now. And Ayo Dusumu can learn under the veteran point guard, and his game can come along as the season goes along. 
And, and look, I think that's a lot to ask for him. And, and I, I think that this is going to be kind of one of those things where, like, look, he can hold down up for a while Kobe is recovering from his injury, from his surgery, I mean. So I think he definitely – he's probably going to be asked to step up right away because of, of White's injury. So I think it's going to be interesting to see what, you know, what he does and what he brings to the table. And, and look, they're still going to go after a point guard. Well, we don't know what – what AK and Eversley are doing, I'm okay with that. So look, if they get Deontay Murray, fine. Look, I don't think they're gonna get Lonzo Ball anymore because they've got the money now. The Hoarders got the, I mean, the, the Pelicans have the money not to match any offer that mm-hmm. comes that comes up. You know, that's okay. And and look, as Schroeder, I don't think I think his age is Schroeder. I should say I think his age is the one that's starting all these rumors. So I'm not I'm not worried about <laughs> him coming to the Bulls because I think this is mostly his agents doing. So I'm not even worried about that. But again, like, I think Murray would be a, a better, a, a good fit. I've heard some people say maybe Derrick Rose. I mean, some people. Now, here's I, the thing. I know. Look, 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 just, look, let me just finish this uh, because. Okay. And, and look, uh, this is our, our buddy, Mac Peck, who does a great job on Lockdown Bulls and, you know, the Bulls outcast on Hot Mike. Uh, I think he was, I think he was one of the first guys to kind of bring this up, say maybe, maybe get a D Rose. Look, he wouldn't have to, you wouldn't have to ask him to do much. He could kind of be that veteran presence. He could probably help up Io a little bit. I know they miss, I know they they played at rival schools, but hey, whatever. Who cares? But uh, but yeah, I think look, it'd be interesting. Look, I don't think it's gonna happen. But I think it'd be an interesting little reunion. And then look, the the brass who was there when he was drafted aren't there anymore. So I, I don't know. I, I'm not saying that it, it should happen, but it's a nice. It could be a nice little thing. You know, just saying. I mean, I'm not saying that you know. Oh my God, it would be like the best thing ever. But I think. Look, especially if you're trying, he's got some playoff experience now playing with the with uh, New York, so he's got some of that. Ex- you know, of course, you know, of course, with the Bulls too. So he'd be that veteran presence, I guess. Even though Ashley Buzovic actually young, is actually older than him, but you know, go figure. Mm-hmm. But uh, look, I, I think I'm not saying it's gonna happen, but it, it, it'd be nice to see. Some of it, basketball-wise, makes sense. Selfishly, as a fan, I wanted to see that happen, but. At this point in Derrick Rose's career, he needs to jump on the veteran team like Utah, Denver, Dallas, or trying to sneak, sneak up on the Lakers. We'll get to them in a minute. Uh, a, a team like that to uh, championship contender to go get that ring. And then if he wants to come home to finish out his career, so be it. But at the end of the day, if Derrick Rose is the Bulls' best and really only option left, okay. But I agree with you as far as the basketball side of this that he's not going to be asked to be the savior. He's going to be a facilitator. He's still going to score, but has anybody asked Derek if he really wants to come back here? I'm shrugging for those of you listening exclusively on our podcast. Has anyone asked Derek, does he really want to come back here? Because we all assume that he wants to come back here. It's not always that simple, folks. Yeah, it's more interesting that that they kind of like I don't know who who brought it up first. I it's like, we gotta ask somebody like who who kind of brought this up that like would he want to come back? But like but again, like I said, the brass that was there when he was here, they're not there anymore. You got a totally new regime, so you know maybe that's why he wants to come back. I don't know. It, it's, it's a possibility. Maybe it's a possibility. It's not a guarantee. It's a possibility. Maybe, maybe that's why he might want to come back. That there's the, the, the kind of like the rumors that he might want to come back is because Gar Pax isn't there anymore. But 
again? <laughs> we'll see. Now, the sort of like this mega trade. Now, none of these trades, you know, any trade that happened in the draft or, or, or you know, up until now, none of it can be official until August 6th, which is, you know, just next week. It, it's sort of like a weird sort of like thing with the NBA where the, the, the salary cap goes up and it, it's sort of all this kind of like weird, like, you know, thighs, you know, dot of I's and T's cross. It's sort of weird. It's, it's a little too complicated, but so we won't explain it. But, <laughs> but there was this mega trend that happened between the Wizards and the Lakers. The Wizards have agreed to, to send Russell Westbrook a 2024 second round pick, a 2028 second round pick to the Lakers for Kyle Kuzma, Contavious Caldwell Pope. Montrez Hill and and uh, the, that 22 pick from this past you know this past uh, Thursday's draft, which they got to take Isaiah Jackson. Um, you know, I, I think look if you're Isaiah Jackson, I think you're feeling pretty good. Hey, you're going for Kentucky. You're, you're going to you're going to be mm-hmm. playing for the Lakers, so <laughs> it's going to be <laughs> yeah. So you know you're going to but then actually going to be going you're going to play with Bradley Beal, which I think you know you might be feeling pretty good if you're you're you're. Uh, Jackson, but uh, yeah, what do you think about that trade? Here's the thing for the Lakers. Uh, Russell Westbrook, I'm sure he wanted to go back home now he gets his wish. And I heard uh, many various opinions over the last 28 to 48 hours. Are there enough basketballs to go around, especially as LeBron James gets older, you know, the last, uh, during his three years in Los Angeles, two out of three years, uh, LeBron's been hurt. Now, the only time he wasn't hurt was during the bubble in 2020 when they won the title. Anthony Davis, hopefully he's healthy at the start of next season. Russell Westbrook, he's going to have to change his game some, but he's in his early 30s. Do you think he's going to change enough to sacrifice to win a championship ring? Because if, you do, if you've been the man for so long with OKC, Houston, and Washington, which they barely made the playoffs last year, he was the man he had, who had to do everything. Now – Yes, he's going to have to take a step back, but can you get rid of old habits overnight? I don't know if he can. I'll cheer for him personally, but does he he fit system-wise with the Lakers? I'm not sure. Now, the key is for the Lakers, they currently have five players on the contract, including Taylor Horton Tucker, Chicago's very own. I think believe he's a restricted free agent. He is. But I, I want to see – what kind of shooters they put around LeBron James and Anthony Davis? Because we said last year, Lakina, they needed shooters, and they didn't have him. Wesley Matthews, he was a big disappointment. Dennis Schroeder, was, even though he was injured part of the year, he was a big disappointment. Kyle Kuzma, he was missing half the time. So I want to see what GM Rob Palenka does in putting the right pieces and shooters around it on this roster. Yeah, there was some rumors that they were going to trade for Buddy Heel, but unfortunately, a lot of the pieces that they were asking for, the Kings were, you know, now they're with Washington. So. He would have been a better fit than Westbrook. Yeah, he probably would have. And we'll see. Look, if you're healed, you're probably thinking, okay, what's going on here? Because there have been various rumors about him all, you know, all Thursday night. So we'll see. I mean, he might still be on the move. The Kings had a, a really good pick, had a really good um, draft. You know, they got. Um, Mitchell from not not Donovan Mitchell not Donovan Mitchell obviously but Davion Mitchell <laughs> no relation though from Baylor <laughs> defensive player three-time defensive player of the year from the uh, the Big Twelve so amongst among others so they had a really nice draft we'll see if if Peel's on the move we'll see if there's any more trades and I also want to um, give a shout out to Adam Silver in the NBA Isaiah Jackson's teammate from Kentucky Terrence Clark who sadly 
um, lost his life in a tragic um, traffic accident, um, I believe like late May or early June. You know, he had just signed his contract with his agent. You know, they were, you know, looking forward to, you know, he was going to, you know, he was probably going to be like a top 15, you know, top 20 um, pick. Um, you know, and his, of course, you know, his former college coach, John Calipari, wrote a nice little tribute for him just before the draft on Thursday, early Thursday. And, you know, they, they you know, you know Adam Silver, you know, who did, has done a great job, you know, in these kind of situations, you know, said that, look, honorary, you know, draft for, you know, Terrence. I know his mom and the rest of the family. And uh, look, I'm sure they cut him a little something you know, to kind of, you know, help the family out. So just a really nice, you know, a, just a really nice gesture by Adam Silver in the NBA and also to, to continue rest in peace to Terrence Clark. Yeah, two thumbs up to the Commissioner Silver and the entire NBA family. Segment number one in the books. Stay tuned for more sports and more fun as Second City Sports continues with Jordan Lazowski of Sox of 35th and Aaron Rodgers, quarterback of the Green Bay Packers, as the kids would say, Put the whole franchise on blast. Along with Lakina McGee, I'm Cindy Brown. We'll see and hear you on the flip side. Happy days are here again. Uh, oh, never mind. <laughs> Welcome back to the second half of the weekend edition of Second City Sports. Zoom style. Zoom style. I will not be singing again in this podcast. So for all you, those that want to turn off, don't do that. I won't be singing again. <laughs> Along with Miss Lakina McGee, I am Cindy Brown. You can follow yours truly on the Twitter and the IG at CK80. Once again, that's CK80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. You can follow me at Keena McGee on the Twitter and at Keena Oscar McGee on the Insta. And you can follow this podcast, Second City Sports, on YouTube at War Media. Once again, at WARR Media. Videos drop every Monday and Friday. Once again, videos drop every Monday and Friday on YouTube at War Media. You can catch the audio version of this podcast. That's available at War on Anchor. We're available on all podcast platforms, including the iHeartRadio app. Just type in those search engine boxes, WARR on Anchor. You can go to our website, weareregalradio.com. And you can follow us on all social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and right here on YouTube at War Media. Once again, at WARR Media. That's Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and YouTube. And thank you very much in advance for your support. Like, share, subscribe, and tell your friends. We are unapologetically fun, and we have very definite opinions. <laughs> As we kick off the second half of Second City Sports, we're going to bring in a friend of the show, he covers the White Sox for SoxOn35th.com, and he's part of the Sox on 35th podcast. He's a friend of the show. We had him on doing our White Sox preview show. You can catch on YouTube at War Media. Just scroll back and catch that episode. He was on with uh, Chris Lanuti, uh, Bradbrus Squires. And who, who else did we have, Lakina, on that uh, oh, preview shoot. show? I think did I miss mind. anybody? I See, when we start naming everybody. people, we forget somebody. I, I, think we got, I think we got everybody. I think though, we got it. We got everybody. Okay. Yeah. But if you want to relive that again, I'm sure hopefully if, if and when the White Sox win the World Series this year, you can go back in and you can uh, tell uh, what our predictions were. <laughs> so uh, let's bring on our good friend, Mr. Jordan Lazowski. Jordan, how are you today? Oh, happy Friday. It's an absolute pleasure. Glad to be back. Yeah. As you mentioned, we are recording this show on a Friday. Just in case the White Sox make any moves, uh, you listening to this podcast. Uh, uh, podcast. It's a Saturdays because, as we said before, this when this is released on the audio version. If the White Sox making uh, making any more moves between now and when we reconvene for next week, you can yell at us, but 
we cannot hear you. So <laughs> our, it's our responsibility to tell you that we are recording this on the Friday just in case the White Sox make any more moves. We got it? Good. <laughs> Jordan, let's, let's break down the, uh, the, the two trades. Of course, Ryan Tapera was acquired for a minor leaguer from the Chicago Cubs. But first, let's break down the Oscar Hernandez uh, uh, trade from the, from the Cleveland Indians slash Guardians as of next year. Otherwise, I gave up a couple of prospects. Uh, uh, message to Danny Mendek and Larry, not Larry, Garcia. <laughs> You're not going to be our everyday second baseman going forward, especially if we get, uh, we get towards the playoffs. So what did you think about the Hernandez move? I, I think you nailed it right at the end there. You know, Larry Garcia and Danny Mendick, you, you're getting a serious upgrade. Um, it, it's a position that you didn't expect to be a weakness coming in because you thought you had Nick Magical. And mm-hmm. when you look at this team, when you look at what it looks like at full strength for the playoffs, that's still the weakest outfield or infield or outfield position. So going there, filling it from a division rival is an interesting way to do it. It basically signals, hey, this division is yours. Take it. Um, and we're going to get what we can out of it as the Cleveland Indians slash Guardians, whatever, Cleveland baseball team, whatever you want to call it. Um, but it, it's, it's like, hey, division's yours. No one's going to catch you. We're going to try and get a couple good prospects out of this. And it, it's the type of move the Sox needed to make. It, it, was, it was a serious and clear upgrade from what they've been running out at second base recently. And when you look at it, you feel a lot better with Cesar Hernandez in your lineup come playoff time than you do with Larry Garcia or Danny Mendick. And that's the, that's the biggest part of the story. Definitely a big upgrade on second base with Hernandez. Now, if you guys remember during that White Sox preview, I said that the middle relief was going to be an issue for the White Sox. And unfortunately, if you saw their series earlier this week against the Royals, where they lost two out, lost three out of four, mm-hmm. it was a problem. So now they got Ryan Tapera from the Cubs, a very solid veteran middle reliever, was a big part of you know, what the Cubs were able to do for those six weeks in you know, May going into June. How big of a pickup was this for the White Sox, Jordan? Yeah, I think if you look at what the relief pitching has been for the White Sox recently, it's been Michael Kopech and Liam Hendricks, and that's really been it. And that's the big problem is – you know, you're supposed to have a pen that's at least six really good guys deep. And Aaron Bummer's been inconsistent. Evan Marshall's been hurt, and he was inconsistent before. Cody Hoyer hasn't looked like he looked last year. When, when you put it all together, you know, bullpen arms are very volatile. And, Lakina, you, you hit it hit the nail on the head when you said, you know, it might be a problem. It's, it, it, when you have the volatility that a bullpen does, issues like this pop up. And, and it's not – any lack of foresight from the White Sox. Like, I, I would have thought Cody Hoyer would have been fine. I would have thought Aaron Bummer would have been fine. Reality is they weren't. There, there's a serious gap in the bridge between the starting pitching and Liam Hendricks at the back end, and Ryan Tapera helps close that up. Uh, it, it's a huge move. It didn't cost much to make, which is a big thing. Neither move really cost that much, but they're serious upgrades for a team that was needing them. As we said, John, before I move on to my next question, uh, me and Lakina have been saying this for the weeks. Uh, Rick kind of uh, needed to make some moves. Mm-hmm. He was going to make them. We just didn't want him to mortgage the, the farm system. They don't have that many sure. prospects, as you well know. As many people assume that we, they're like the Dodgers or uh, uh, the Yankees Please. of the past. Or we had these mm-hmm. uh, pipeline of prospects. Uh, the White Sox don't have that much. So, right. uh, Rick Hahn was smart here and, and not committed for hoping these 
moves uh, will work out. Now, let's go to the names that were rumored to come to the White Sox. Adam, Adam Frazier, he was moved from the Pirates to the Padres. I think that was a great move for San Diego. But Eduardo Escobar, of course, mm-hmm. the White Sox were, do, were more just sniffing around. Of course, their report came out around the 4th of July weekend from Bob Nightingale of USA Today. Uh, as we said at the time, we reminded our listeners and viewers that uh, blockbuster trades of baseball really happens around that time because the asking price is just too high. Yeah. I'm sure that Rick Hahn called the Diamondbacks a couple of times since then. I wanted to get your opinion on this. I had a theory. Uh, Was the asking price still the same from the Diamondbacks, or were they trying to get greedy? I'm talking about Arizona. I wanted to know if Rick Mm -hmm. Hahn is going to address it in front of the media. I doubt it, but uh, it seems, Mitch, this is my gut feeling that uh, Arizona was probably asking a little bit more than they expected. That's just my gut feeling about it. I I think what might have happened is, you know, there were rumors that the Sox had the deal finished. Uh, multiple people had said it, and they were kind of scared off by the fact that a couple of days later, Eduardo Escobar got hurt. And after he comes back, he, he really starts to heat it up a little bit. And then, then it comes to Cindy, what you're saying. It's like, hey, well, maybe whatever we had asked for at the first place isn't enough. Maybe we can uh, hold out a little bit and, and see if we can get someone else to pay a little bit more. Like, that, that's – Negotiation 101, I think the worst thing, if, if, if you were a big fan of Eduardo Escobar and you're, you're upset they didn't get him, the reason really comes down to Escobar got hurt and that, that kind of worried the Sox when they were going to make that trade. You know, you don't know how long it's going to last. You don't want to say, hey, this is the guy, and then he's out two more months, and now all of a sudden you don't have what you thought you had. So that, I, I think something like that ended up happening, and just the timing was so weird that it came down to, hey, it's July 27th, July 28th. I can afford to open up the market, get a little risky if I'm the Arizona Diamondbacks and see who's going to pay me the most. It, it, was, it wasn't overwhelming, don't get me wrong, what they got um, right. from Milwaukee, but maybe they liked the package a little bit better. And that's all that mattered at the end of the day. Let's talk about Lance Lynn for a second, mm-hmm. Jordan. Um, he leads the league in ERAs. ERA, I should say, you know, like be able to me to say ERAs, but uh, but uh, you know, he signed a two-year extension. Do you think he has a shot of winning the AL Cy Young? I know you know some of the you know some sort of like you know the you know sort of there's a stats are like you know he's the ERA, but sort of like you know, and, and it's sort of like some of the other stats, you know, he's kind of like right there, like in the mm-hmm. top ten or top fifteen. So how realistic of a shot does he have to perhaps maybe perhaps maybe contending for the AL Cy Young? I think between him and Rodon, you have two guys that might finish top three in, in Cy Young right now. I think Rodon, you're starting to see someone who looks like he hasn't thrown 100 innings in two or three years. He, he looks like he's getting a little tired and might need a little bit of a break. Lynn, however, is that workhorse who is going to come out. He's going to give you six innings every time, and he's a phenomenal ball player because of that. I, I'm very happy about the extension. And it's for reasons just like this. You know, he might be 34 years old. He's no spring chicken, sure. But at the same time, you know, he, he is very competitive at, at this current level. And with a rotation that w- was a little less sure heading into next year with a couple big free agents, it's nice to have a name locked down here. And I think a name that should be high in consideration, top three, top five for Cy Young this year. I think he has a very good shot. Jordan Lazowski, friend of the show from Sox on 35th, is joining us here on the weekend edition of Second City Sports. Sid and Lakina here with you. Jordan, let's stick with Carlos Rodan for just a second. Uh, 
my impression is your playoff starting rotation looks like this. Lance Lynch, your game one starter. Lucas Giolito, some people still may have a question mark, but I believe he's your game two star because mm-hmm. Tony LaRusso trusts him to throw close to 100 pitches. Shouldn't Carlos Rodon be your automatic uh, game three starter? He should. If things okay. if things stay the way they are right now, you, you would assume inside – Yeah, it looks like we may have. Okay. Yeah, Jordan, you went out just. Yeah, 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 you went out just a second, so uh, you can okay. start your uh, answer again. Sorry. Um. So two. So just to recap, what I was probably talking about. Uh, it is Lynn Rodon Giolito in some order. Uh, to start off, and a lot of people have said, you know, what about Kopech? And, and I think the thing about Kopech is he's incredibly valuable, in in the role he's currently in, which is your first guy out of the bullpen. Um, who can cover multiple innings, and if maybe one of your starters doesn't go that long, um, it is an incredibly valuable piece. I, I think Kopech will play a huge role in this team heading into October. I don't think it should be out of the rotation unless there's some sort of injury. I think Lynn, Rodon, Giolito, in whatever order you want to put them in, that's a tough three to face as you're a team trying to move on past the White Sox. I, it doesn't get much more difficult than that in the American League. Okay, guys, you know, we've been avoiding this. So let's talk about the, I don't want to say the elephant in the room, if you will, but sort of like, you know, something that we we should talk about is Eloy Jimenez. And okay, now he is going to be playing outfield or on the field. Look, I've been saying for the longest that he should not. He should be DH, <laughs> but again, yeah. no one's gonna listen to me. You know, like I said, um, Toes has been at doing this longer than I have, and look, I know he hate he hit that, you know, that massive home run, going home run, and Tuesday, you know, and a, there was it was uh, was it two, it was Tuesday's game. Tuesday, mm-hmm. yeah, it was Tuesday that three run home run. I think they're still look. I think it ended up going to St. Louis. I think so, or to Kansas. I don't know, but uh, you know, he, that's <laughs> that's why we love the Lord. That's that's you know why you know we love him so much. But how much? How much, you know, how much are we going to see Eloy on the field, Jordan? Too much for my liking, to be honest with you. The, <laughs> the reason is, you know, between Andrew, Bra- Andrew Vaughn, Jose Abreu, Gavin Sheets, Eloy Jimenez, you have a lot of DH-type players. Yeah. And even with Yasmani Grandal coming back from a knee injury, um, you got to worry about, his health behind the plate. Do you want to push him to start a catcher right away? You, you might have to DH him a little bit. So the, the, the way this team is constructed, you're going to see a lot of Eloy in left field, at, at least this year. Um, it Once Grandal's a little bit healthier and once they maybe have a better long-term right field solution, I, I, I was proven wrong by Andrew Vaughn. I thought it was a mistake to put him in the outfield. I, I was very much proven wrong. Not only is he a pretty good outfielder, he's very clearly better than Eloy Jimenez. And if the long-term future of the White Sox is, we thought it was Vaughn DH, Eloy left field. If those roles just switch, I'm fine with that. But until this team is healthy and they have some more sure answers, I think we're going to see at least this year a little bit of Eloy in left and then just some announcement over this offseason and into spring training that um, – Eloy will be the DH for the White Sox for the future. Uh, speaking of people coming back, Jordan, of course, it looks like uh, Yasmani Grandal may be turn, return by the end of the month of August. It looks like uh, 
Luis Robert maybe return towards the middle of the month. But I want to ask you about Jose Abreu. He had a terrible June, but he's, he started to heat up in the month of July. Uh, assuming with those guys returning and with, with Tim Anderson is doing that to play, how much better can Jose Abreu uh, uh, get uh, with better players around him now, now since the team is starting to get healthy? I'm not saying he's going to win back-to-back MVP awards, but it seems like this guy is turning on at the right time. Yeah, I think, you know, for years, Jose Abreu sitting in this lineup was a, a star in the midst of a bunch of scrubs. And that, yeah. that puts pressure on you as a player. You know, you, you're the only guy that can produce. You got to produce. You got to get things done. And now the pressure sits back and let me just play my game. I and don't feel that extra pressure to get things done because there's a guy behind me and a guy in front of me in the lineup who's going to do a lot of damage. And being able to have that is incredibly valuable. Uh, for both the White Sox and Jose Abreu. Because not only does it mean your team is a lot stronger, it means Jose Abreu himself can just take a little bit of that pressure off and not feel like he has to be the hero every time. Like, stay in your game, do your thing. And I think, you know, as the summer months, he heats up. And this team's going to get to full strength, and he's going to be a huge part of it. And, and I think it's incredibly important that he can stay in the middle of it without having to be the hero while still having plenty of opportunities to be the hero, let's be honest. I wish we had the breaking news feed. I wish we could have that going on in the background because various sources, Jeff Passan, Ken Rosenthal, and Jim Bowden are reporting that the White Sox have traded for Craig Kimball. Now the question is going to be how much do the White Sox give up? So, Jordan, what do you think about this potential trade and how big of this is a, how big of a pickup this is for the White Sox? As you're talking about, I looked at, I saw like six texts from someone. I'm like, what is going on? I told them I was recording this. It's like, oh, Kimberl to the Sox. Like, oh, that's a huge move. <laughs> um, I don't know. I've heard it, it might be, it might be a lot bigger than Sox fans think. I think, you know, we started this, Sydney, you're talking about like not mortgaging the future. I think it's yeah. going to be a bigger piece right now. I, Kimberl's a huge, yeah. Kimberl is a bona fide closer who had a lot of suitors um, a lot of suitors and a bona fide closer is going to drive up that price. And I'm sure as we're recording here, we'll find out what it is. It's going to be a little scary for Sox fans. This is the first time you're giving up yeah. something of value in yeah. this rebuild. You're oh, used yeah. to taking all these guys and, and trading away the Craig Kimbrell type players. Now you're getting one. And this is the first big time the Sox have done that. And I think that's going to be a little scary for fans. I think it's going to be a little bit of a shock. Like, well, what about these prospects? It's like, you got to try and win now. Everyone else in the American League is getting better. You got to get better. And, and, and you've got to do things that make you better as a team. And Tapera and Kimbrell is that's, – that's a haul at the trade deadline. That, that is quite the haul. I'm going to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. As we remind, reminded our listeners and viewers that uh, what we saw with the Astros uh, did what they did to grab the 2017 World Series, of course, that other team on the north side, what they did in right. 20 in 2016. Mm -hmm. This is what has to happen if you want to become a World Series contender, World Series winner. I'll be interesting to to see as we record this who the White Sides gave up. But like like we've been telling our, our listeners, uh, you cannot keep everybody. There's some some mm -hmm. pieces will have to go. Some of your fan favorite players will have to go. So this, that's the cost of business in today's market in Major League Baseball. Yeah. I, you know, teams more than ever in the game today, it's becoming a lot more polarized. You know, yeah. I think 
five or six of the teams at least have a 90% chance of being in the playoffs right now. Like if you're not one of those teams, you're better off selling and getting mm-hmm. what you can. And because of that, because there are so many teams selling, you know, in many cases, it, it doesn't benefit the seller. It's like, if there's not enough buyers and too many sellers, this is a weird case in, you're seeing a lot of teams like the Red Sox, or excuse me, the Yankees and the Blue Jays chasing the Red Sox and the Rays. Mm-hmm. And instead of just giving up, they're still going for it. And the Astros and the A's, like both of them are probably going to be in, but winning that division is incredibly important. So you're seeing a lot more than usual, these trades for prospects and it's always prospects it's nine times out of ten it's young 18 to 21 year olds with good hit tools and um an ability to play up the middle shortstop second base center field usually this the Sox don't have those types of guys which is again why it's so surprising that for this trade deadline the Sox were able to get someone like Kimbrell because definitely surprising yeah it's those types of moves that are interesting ones. I'm very curious to see what's going to happen with this one. Yeah, uh, before it'll, I, I, have, it'll be interesting to see what what they give up. Um, how how big of a uh, how big you know how big of a help has your guys like Goodwin and Sheets have they been for the yeah. White Sox with all the injuries to Eloy and Robert and you know some of the other injuries? Yeah, I. This is the magic of the 2021 White Sox season. It's you're pulling guys out of nowhere and getting two or three weeks stints of really productive baseball and you look at why the White Sox are have 60 wins the the reason is for whether it's like your mean Mercedes for three weeks or was Adam Eaton for three weeks or Brian Goodwin for three weeks or Billy Hamilton for like just piecing it together for a couple weeks at a time getting the most out of these players and then some and, and finding your way past these games, like I, we, we've had at times guys like um, they, they've had guys like Anderson and Abreu injured and stuff like that and, and injured or taking days off or just struggling. And, and for those types of guys to step up is huge. And I, I think it, it, it's the magic of it. it it's, it's the fun of the season. Stuff like that happens. Heading down the home stretch with a good friend of the show from Sox on 35th, Mr. Jordan Lazowski here on Second City Sports. Sid and Lakina here with you. Jordan, this player has a 265 average, only has eight home runs and 45 RBIs. He's playing the high core, and his name is Mr. Johan Makata. Mm-hmm. I know the numbers I just read is not there, but do you think he'll ever turn it around, at least have respectable numbers from uh, for between now and at the end of the regular season? Because I'm getting yeah. a little bit worried. Not worried to jump off a bridge, but uh, I got my third sure. eye, third ear. <laughs> sure. And I was like, what's wrong? I think, you know, it's a very weird productive year for Yohan Mokani. He's getting on base a lot. He's hitting a lot of doubles. He's not really putting the ball out of the ballpark. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's the, that's the interesting part. You know, the, the whole team as a whole has not really – contributed all that much in terms of the home run department they're bottom a third of the league in home runs and it's the product of guys like Moncada not really hitting the ball out of the ballpark I I hope he turns it around and and adds a little power I'm happy with his production I I would like to see a little bit more power don't don't get me wrong um 
but but getting on base and, and being someone who can keep the lineup moving is incredibly valuable too. And, and I think, you know, as more guys get healthy and more guys come in this lineup, um, it, it's going to be an interesting one. I, I, I think he's someone to watch in, in terms of just where does his productivity come from? Is it getting on base and driving in a couple runs here and there and driving balls to the gaps or is it putting the ball over the fence? Um, it'll be interesting to see where he falls as this team gets healthier. How concerned are you with Tim Anderson? I know some, I've seen some White Sox fans are kind of freaking out because he hasn't been as productive as he's been the last couple of seasons. And, and I, like I've told people, look, I mean, mm-hmm. he's still, he's still right up there, you know, with some of the, you know, the, the batting averages. So I don't think people should worry about that, but some people are worried about the lack of consistency we're seeing from him. Yeah. I think, you know, I, I've chalked a lot of this up to, this is just a really weird year for the White Sox. You got a lot of guys who are trying, and, and you know, we talked about that whole Jose Abreu trying to be a hero thing. Yeah. And, and we've seen it kind of with other guys is you have Eloy Jimenez go down and then Luis Robert goes down and then Nick Madrigal goes down. And then Jasmine Grandal goes down. Now guys start to play hero. And I think Tim Anderson even falls to that. You know, I like him to be a little bit more patient at the plate, if I'm being honest. I, I think a lot of first pitch swinging is kind of what hurts him a little bit. Um, but at the same time, I'm not one to doubt him for putting, after putting up a couple 300 batting average seasons. I, I think you get hot at the right time and he can carry an offense. And, and I think that's important. I'm not worried about him per se, because I think, you know, he's proven himself over these past two seasons to be quite the professional hitter. I think it, it comes down to, you know, if this lineup gets healthier, then it, then it changes a lot. Last moment or two with Jordan Lazowski of Sox on 35th right here on Second City Sports. I'm Sidney Brown along with Lakina McGee. Uh, this player, speaking of players getting hot, Jordan, this player carried the Sox through the month of April into early May. Of course, now this player is in the minor leagues, retired, unretired. He's still in the minor leagues. I'm talking about the Yamaneta, Yermin Mercedes. Yes. Uh, assuming that he's not part of any deal, which we doubt. But do you think he'll be heard, heard from again this season, or do you think the White Sox are trying to wash their hands from him as soon as the season is over? Yeah, this is an interesting one. This, is, this has been the talk for quite some time with all the, is he retiring, is he not? It's, it's, you don't want to call it a distraction, but you don't like having to, like, if you're going through stuff and you're really fighting something, like, I, making it public like that, I don't know if that helps you. I, I don't know. But at the end of the day, if there are some injuries, that he's still a valuable bat. I think you're seeing him tear it up in AAA. I think he's too good for AAA. Um, I, I, but I, we've seen him struggle at the major leagues. He's probably somewhere in between the 400 hitter we saw in April and the 100 hitter we saw after that. I think he could be valuable, I think. But it comes back to, you know, we talked about it. We, there's a lot of DHs on this team. And the Sox, unless someone gets hurt or needs some rest, I – I'm not sure where he fits. I think he's a good insurance policy, but I hope he gets used to AAA because if there are no injuries, he's going to have a hard time cracking this spot. Last question for me, Jordan. Um, how far, you know, now with all these trades, how far can this White Sox team go? They're going to win the division, but can they be right there, like contending with the Red Sox, with the Rays, with the Astros, with the mm-hmm. A's? How far can this team, this team go? A healthy White Sox team with the additions we're reading through, this is a this is an AL winning lineup. This is AL winning rotation, AL winning bullpen now, AL winning lineup. 
I, maybe they're not the top in any of those. I'd say they're probably the top rotation. But even if they're not the top of any of those, you put them in a short playoff series, this team's built for those. They now have a really powerful bullpen. They have a good starting staff. And you have a team that if you make a mistake, they're going to hammer you. And, you know, you put those together in a short five, seven-game series, anything can happen. Like, I, I'm as confident as ever that this team can be really, really good in the playoffs just because they're kind of built for it. You know, they, they don't necessarily have some of the crazy guys off the bench that can really contribute. But it's the lineup. They're so heavily stacked in terms of what they're going to give you on the field that anything can happen. I, there is no reason they can't compete with the A's, the Red Sox, the Rays. There is no reason based on this. If this team's healthy, this is one of the best teams in the American League. Last question from me, Jordan. Of course, we learned in details of the Craig Campbell trade is second baseman Nick Madrigal, who's out for the year, and Cody Hoyer, who, who's part of the uh, package as well. They'll be going from the White Sox to the Cubs in exchange for Mr. Kimbrell. So, Rick Hahn, he's your executive of the year as far as I'm concerned. He didn't have to give up too much there. And so, those are the details we know for the Craig Kimball trade. Last question for me, Jordan, you mentioned that the White Sox are – they'll probably will be the uh, target for as winning the AL pennant along with the Houston Astros. Which team, in the lack of better term, scare you? Me personally, I say mm-hmm. Oakland if they get in, but – with the Red Sox uh, making their move yesterday and picking up Cal sure. Schwarber, I'm not a big fan of their starting pitching staff. They didn't get Craig Kimbrell. I know Chris Hill, former White Sox player, is supposed to come back sometime in August, but their lineup is stacked. I like Rafael Devers personally. He's the best AL um, offensive third baseman in the AL. Mm-hmm. But uh, which team would scare you, for lack of a better term, if the White Sox would face this team come playoff time? Which team would that be? It's the Astros. I, I think okay. that's the one where that's the most complete team in the American League. Um, Boston, you, you, you worry about their pitching staff. Um, the Rays, I mean, the Rays are always dangerous, but it, it doesn't have, they don't have the high profile names. Um, and I think you look at the Yankees, the Blue Jays, the A's, you, they scare you, but they all have mm-hmm. clear defined holes. The Astros don't have one. That rotation's lights out. The bullpen's lights out. The lineup is so similar from their World Series winning team, and it's only gotten better. And buzzers, whatever, trash cans or not, they're quality ball players. <laughs> but, you know, they're, they're so similar that – and they're so complete that they probably worry me the most. They, they, they would be the ones I don't want to face until I absolutely have to. And you got to be, beat the best to be the best. So I get that. But it, it'll be a very interesting one. Well, the Sox have a better bullpen now to face the Astros. True. I'm not this as afraid, afraid of them. I give them their respect, but uh, if you were taught to me about 48 hours ago before these acquisitions happened, I would have said, I think they could beat them, but it's going to be close. But um, I'm more confident now after these acquisitions that they have to face the Astros. I would agree. I, I think these are huge moves. They're going Lakina? for they're, they're going for no – no doubt about it. He's our good friend from SoxHunt35th.com, Jordan Lazlowski. Again, well, again, as always, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, Jordan, where they can find you on the social media streets? Yeah, so SoxHunt35th is the main place. My personal account is at jlazowski14. 
I like to think I'm kind of funny. I don't know. I like to at least provide good analysis. I don't know. Some of us. A little bit of both. We'll see what happens. But no, I appreciate you guys having me on. This is always a pleasure. You guys do great work and it's fun to hear your opinions. And I think, you know, this is the fun time to be a Sox fan. It's becoming a very, yes. very fun time after years of just not being very fun. Uh, so, so I appreciate what you guys are doing and having me on and looking forward to more fun in the future. Yeah, we definitely got to get you back on before the playoffs starts. For sure. Yes. I would love a that. lot of excellence. So Jordan, thank you so much for joining us. You stay safe. You too. Take care. Enjoy your weekend. Thank uh, you. You too, Jordan. You as well. Once again, that's Jordan Lazowski from SoxOn35th.com and the SoxOn35th podcast. You follow him on uh, the social me- on his personal social media accounts and follow SoxOn35th on Twitter and Instagram. They put out great content as well all about the Chicago White Sox. Lakina, before we move on to football, uh, I didn't want to interject during the interview because that would have been unprofessional of me and, uh, and made the show sound bad. But with Craig Kimbrough now on board, I like the setup. You know, Michael Kopech for the fifth, sixth, seventh innings, just in case the starting pitching is is roughed up. You have Kopech, you have Tapera, you have Craig Campbell as your setup guy, and you have Liam Hendricks to close it out. If that's not the perfect setup, I don't know what is. Yeah, let's see how they all mesh together. That's going to be the really the million-dollar question. Can they mesh well? I mean, they're going to win the division, no doubt, because they're way ahead of the other teams and the Indians, you know, Guardians and whatever they're calling themselves have, have given The Cleveland up. baseball team, to be whatever, correct. <laughs> yeah, I was like, whatever, you know, they, they gave, you know, they gave up their, their, one of their top players in Hernandez, so they're not, you know, they're not going to, they're kind of giving up. So let me just see what, what happens. I mean, look, I, I want to see how they do against the Astros, the Rays, whoever they end up facing the playoffs. We, we got to get Jordan back mm-hmm. on then as well. So we'll, we'll see, we'll see what they can do. Yeah, very eventful time for White Sox and White Sox fans everywhere. Of course, you're listening to us uh, via the audio. Uh, you can still yell at us, but uh, we can't hear you. So we assume that Rick Hahn is done making trades. You never know, but um, I'm glad we got Jordan on to uh, break down those three key moves now for the White Sox. Of course, I'll be there tonight and tomorrow to watch the, uh, the White Sox hopefully put the Indians away and cut down this match. Now, but I don't know what it is at this point, but it's going to go down hopefully soon uh, for the White Sox to clinch this AL division title. And You're I listening know, to and the. I know, and I know that, uh, man, I just want to finish this point. Uh, man, I know Magical, you know, he's, he's up for the year. So, you know, the mm-hmm. coach, I don't have to worry about that. You know, Cody Hoare is actually a pretty good pitching prospect for the White Sox. So, you know, it's sort of a win-win for both, both, but you know, again, you know, you're getting a nice little haul and look, the Dodgers were, were going to give up their top guys. You know, the Astros really didn't have that much prospects wise. So the White Sox really were kind of like the one team that they, you know, they, that, you know, Kimbrough was going to probably going to go to. So <laughs> Atlanta, you know, Atlanta, you know, I, I know that they probably didn't want to give up some of their guys either, but you know, mm-hmm. Tampa saying that they probably didn't want to give up, give up some of their top guys. So, you know what, let's, you know, let, let's see what this, this bullpen can do, and we'll see if they can be that, that nonstop bullpen that we've, we've been hoping for. So we'll see what happens. Okay. You're listening to Second City Sports Weekend Edition, along with Lakina McGee. I am Sydney Brown. Lakina, we have, only have a few minutes left uh, on this program. Let's start off with the National Football League. Of course, we all know that uh, all the players and coaches are in training camp. They started up early this week. Practices have, have started for the last couple of days. And one team to the north of us, we'll get to the Bears in just a minute, but one team up north above us called the Green Bay Packers. 
the Green Bay Packers. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers, their quarterback who will return to play this season for 2021, he had his own personal press conference the other day for a half hour, as the kids would say. He put management on blast. He had a big to-do-about-nothing rambling session. And as I said on this program all offseason, this will be Aaron Rodgers' last year in Green Bay. Of course, his contract for 2023 is voided. Uh, 2022 is quote unquote left open. Uh, makes sense all of this because from what I've heard the other day, uh, it was just a bunch of rambling. I didn't listen to it. I, I just nothing. Like, <laughs> I, I mean, I'm like, I didn't really listen to it. So I, I was like, oh, oh, okay, that's that's nice. You sort of like let out your grievances, okay. But yeah, I, I mean, okay, yeah, they got Randall Cobb back to kind of get the band back together to try to make it, you know, try to do it like a one more time, you know, for one more go at it for. The Super Bowl and that's fine I mean but okay look he got what he wanted you know pretty much he didn't you know the, the, the last two years avoided they can't franchise tag him so he basically be able to pick whatever he wants to do whether he wants to stay in Green Bay or go somewhere else so okay I mean that was a waste of 30 minutes okay whatever that's nice I mean I look I <laughs> look I didn't think he was gonna gonna leave but I didn't think he was gonna stay there long term either so I was like oh okay mm-hmm. that's nice Okay, just get to football. Okay, there was you wasted. Okay, three months of drama for nothing. All right, whatever. Let's let's, <laughs> let's keep going here. I, I don't I don't. Who who cares? Okay, you're in camp. Yippee! You were you were gonna get there anyway. Fine, whatever. Yeah, you just took the words right out of my mouth. So let's move on. <laughs> of course, to the Chicago Bears, we refocus on since we are broadcasting live from Chicago. Of course, they're practicing at Hallis Hall. Of course, we're still a couple of weeks away from their first preseason game. I don't have the schedule in front of me. I know they played the Buffalo Bills. I think it's the second week of the preseason, but I forget who their first opponent is. But um, there's mixed reports on uh, uh, rookie quarterback Mr. Justin Fields out of Ohio State. He didn't look good in his first couple of days, but on, on Friday he looked pretty good according to the beat writers who, who cover the Bears up there in Hallis Hall. Lakina, as we said before, it's a wait-and-see game to – witness how Mr. Fields is going to do in the preseason and will Nat, Matt Nagy, the head coach of the Bears, will properly guide him towards success. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm kind of in show-me mode. I'm not going to put a lot of pressure on him like other Bears fans are. I mean, look, I think he's going to, he's going to absorb the information quick. You know, of course, he's going to look good in practice, but I want to see him do it in a game. Like, I'm not, like, you know, freaking out. Like, oh, my God, he had a bad – you know, he had a bad practice or, oh, yeah, he had a great practice. I'm at that point where I'm like, okay, you know, let, let's just get to the games at this point. I mean, like, if you look good at, look, I'm not saying he's Trubisky. I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to assault him like that. But, look, Trubisky, Trubisky looked good in practice. Don't you do that, young lady. <laughs> well, yeah, look, look I'm, I'm, just, I'm just making a point here that let, let's not, you know, like make any, like, duration, you know, any predictions or synopsis on what we see on, you know, on the practice field. Let's see how he does on the field. Look, I mean – I know some people said the defense looked good. I mean, look, the defense is about a year older than they were. And I know Eddie Goldman is going to be the X factor. But again, how, are, how is he going to look? You know, he hasn't played competitive football in a year. So that's another thing. So I just, I just kind of feel like, you know what, let's get to the games. I mean, that all the, oh, let this guy look good at practice. This guy didn't look good at practice. I'm like, okay, let's just get to the games. Like, fine, whatever. Okay. I mean, I'm, it's not like I said. I mean, it's not like this. Like, let's just get to the games now. I mean, I kind of feel like okay, all the practices and how this guy looks. But okay, you know what? Let's just get, let's just see you. I'm sure we're gonna see him 
you know, in the preseason, so three preseason games, you know, their first preseason is actually against the Dolphins here in Chicago. So that's, yeah, you probably, yeah. you probably I know yeah, Dolphins first, then Bills second the following yeah, week. Yeah, and also after that, it's, you know, they finish up against Tennessee, their preseason. So, you know, not a preseason deal um, thing there. But, uh, I mean, okay, let's see how they look. I know everybody's going to say, well, they, they look really – no, no. I'm just like, let's, let's see how they look in the games. And that's going to be the thing. Like, you know, Matt Nagy finally has his guy now, it feels like. So, let's see if he can develop him. That's going to be the really the million-dollar question. Mm-hmm. Yep. As uh, as we are still a, a couple of weeks away from preseason action returning for the first time since 2019, like, you know, unfortunately in training camps, and especially during preseason, uh, injuries do happen in the National Football League. Of course, you have T.J. Watt, who was the league leader in sacks from the Pittsburgh Steelers a year ago. He sat out of practice the other day, of course, during um, Friday's practice for the Indianapolis Colts. Carson Wentz apparently went out with a foot injury. Mm-hmm. If you're the Colts, uh, you better hope it's not serious because you put in all your uh, all your chips into him being your franchise quarterback, replacing Phillip Rivers. And so hopefully things are on the up and up for Mr. Wentz and the Colts. Yeah, I mean, that, that was not very good. And I'm sure Colts fans are holding their breath that it's not a very serious foot injury. He was <laughs> held out. Um, you know, they're going to be have uh, further testing. So we'll see if he, if it's if it's not serious. I mean, you got Jacob Easton, who's the you know second-year quarterback. Also, too, you got the rookie Sam manager from Texas. So you're going to look upon one of those two guys in case Wentz, you know, isn't going to be able to play for a while. And if you're the <laughs> Colts, if you're a Colts, you're a Colts fan. You got pretty much got everything you need. You got you got a good, old, great old line. You got one of your guys back into a fold. You got D- Darius, and probably one of the top safeties in the NFL by one of the top defense defense in the NFL. You got a you know a really good running you know a running core. We'll we'll see how um we'll see how uh I, I forgot the guy's name who uh who he was out last year. He's back this year. I forgot his name was Malik Mack or somebody. He had the last name Mack, but uh. He's gonna he's gonna be back, but uh, Marlon yeah. Mack. Marlon Mack, yeah, I, I figured it was good. I didn't know his last name was Mack. <laughs> Marlon Mack. So <laughs> that's what are we here for? For help each other. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, so you know, okay, come back from a torn ACL, Mister Mack. So if you're, you better be praying. You better be open to praying that Wentz doesn't have to have to you know may miss the preseason probably at most because if he's gonna you know if he's gonna be missing some parts of the season. You're gonna have to, you may have to panic though if you're the, if you're the Colts. Yeah, especially in that division. Even though it doesn't look great on paper, you still have Houston. Assuming that Deshaun Watson plays this year, even though he's in camp now, you have a struggling franchise in Jacksonville. You, you starting over with rookie quarterback Trevor Lawrence, the new head coach Urban Meyer, Urban Meyer from the college ranks. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have Tennessee uh, in there. So uh, even though it's not uh, the sexiest division in football. It can still get competitive. So uh, if you're Indianapolis, you're trying to become a Super Bowl contender, you had to have Carson Wentz stay healthy for the entire year. That's been his problem the last couple of years in Philadelphia. That's he's why just the one who had that uh, start off here in Indianapolis. And that's why he's not in Philadelphia. <laughs> let's, let's, let, let's be exactly. honest here. I think that's one of the reasons why he's not in Philadelphia anymore is because of those injury problems. Um, you know, the, the COVID, you know, the COVID vaccine, I know, yeah, I mean, the Cardinals have now joined the list of teams of like, I think there are like six or seven teams that have 90% vaccine rates. So I think I saw Ian Rappaport say that he can count the guys in one hand as to who are not vaccinated. So you're all good there. Unfortunately, Lamar Jackson, um, 
tested positive. Now he's, you know, he's going to be out, although the worry is that he might be able to be cleared to play maybe sometime next week. And that's, that's pivotal if you're the Ravens, because if you're, if you're trying to, you know, you know, have him learn the offensive scheme, now him being out right now is, that's not, that's not, you know, not, that's not, you know, that's not preferred. I mean, let, let's, you know, let's mm-hmm. be honest here. I think you don't want that type of thing, but uh, what else so far have you seen um, in, so this practice, I know we haven't played any preseason games yet, but also to Xavier Howard, that's a name that he said that he's not happy with his contract. Of course, he's the um, Pro Bowl safety from the Dolphins, and now he's saying that he's not happy with his contract. So that this could be a pro, a pro bowler on the market. So, Sid, what do you think of some of that? Yeah, if you're, the, if you're the Miami Dolphins, I know there was a young, talented defense from a year ago. Shout out to head coach um, Brian Flores, who worked under Bill Belichick, or Bill Belichick, as we come on this show, from the New England Patriots from back in the day. Uh, the Dolphins, uh, this is now, you're, you were the Hunters last year, now you're the Hunted. Of course, you expect second-year quarterback out of Alabama, Mr. Tua Tungavalova, to uh, improve his game. Uh, Xavier Howard is one of the best young defensive backs in the league. Uh, if you're the Dolphins, you've got to secure him, or else, like you say, if he gets out in the open market, somebody, including the Patriots, if they have room, will snatch him up real quick. Yeah, so it's definitely something to look out for there. Um, yeah, anything else? Anything else? You know, sort of like you know, training camp, you know, news that's kind of caught your attention. I'm just like you, Lakina. I'm waiting for uh, the preseason games to start in a couple of weeks. We'll start to see uh, what uh, whoever plays, uh, what these players are made of, what's the position battles going to be. And going back to the Dallas Cowboys, I know Dak Prescott set out the last couple of days of practice due to shoulder tweakness. Uh, they have to be careful with him because he's coming off of a devastating ankle injury from a year ago, and he's their franchise quarterback. So the Cowboys obviously are doing the right thing by sending them. But I don't think it's anything too serious as far as we know right now. Yeah, definitely something to look out for, too, because I think if you're the Cowboys, especially after you gave them all that money, you're, you're going to have to protect your, your investments. Yeah, just Do they know. start next week or the week after next on week, HBO? Next week. Next, I, I believe, I think the 10th, if I'm not mistaken. I'll look that up right okay. quick. But, yeah, I think this could be right after their Hall of Fame game against the Steelers next Thursday. So I'll look that up right quick. But, uh, yeah, so – Deck tweaked his shoulder in practice. This yeah. is how he looks in a hot tub. Yeah. Like, oh, <laughs> Who didn't take the vaccine? <laughs> oh, Lord. Oh, yeah. And, all, and apparently doesn't know anything about a HIPAA. So that's – oh, yeah. He doesn't know how that works. But, uh, yeah, I believe – yeah, I think they said the 10th, if I'm not mistaken. Let's see if when the new season starts. But, yeah, so that's another thing that's going to be kind of like they're looking out for, especially since the NFC East is, is pretty open. So mm-hmm. – if you, you really can't afford for Prescott to not be at 100%. So if you're trying to go for the division, I think you better make sure your your guy, your top quarterback is, you know, very healthy. At the very least, like 80 or 90%. Because if not, you're going to be at the division pretty quick. August 10th, I was right. So make sure to look August back. 10th, okay. I expect to see a lot of, as we said before, a lot of Dak Prescott, uh, a lot of some of the uh, younger players trying to get FaceTime. Of course, most important of all, He's a camera uh, fiend. The, uh, the owner, Mr. Jerry Jones. That's my football team. Welcome to Cowboys Nation. <laughs> yeah. Okay. He's the older version of Puff Daddy grabbing as much camera time as possible. Ah, oh, it's okay. going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Oh, yes. 
yes, yes, yes. And a lot, and a lot of swear words. I, I, I have no doubt. But uh. Oh yes. Yep. Oh, this is on HBO. <laughs> All right. So uh, we only got a few more minutes left. Sid, our little Olympic update. Look, I wish I had like the the Olympic theme going on in the background because. I said I won't be singing for the rest of the show. I'll keep it that way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um. So you know, with Simone Biles not you know not you know competing in the women's all around, but you know it. We had a, a, a wonderful um, performance by Sunisa Suni Lee from St. Paul, Minnesota. Making yes, congrats five, to her. Yeah, making it five in a row for the women, the U.S. women in the all-around. She just held off Rebecca Andrade from Brazil and one of the uh, the Russian um, gymnasts to win all-around gold, and she earned that gold. Folks, I'm sure there's going to be some folks are going to say, well, she only won because Simone didn't compete. She's a pretty good gymnast. I mean, if you know her backstory, She's a, a, a descendant of the Hmong people, which is the which is an Asian group of people. There's a very it's a very big Hmong population in the St. Paul area. Um, if you know if you know her backstory, her father John, who actually built a balance beam out of cardboard in their backyard, sadly, you know, suffered an accident right before mm -hmm. the national championships a couple of years ago. He's now paralyzed. But if you saw him, her mom, and everybody, you know, probably the whole neighborhood in that area yeah. just cheering her on and and look she's you know she's you know she's cute she's got charisma she's adorable and smart i think she's and she's all the way to auburn now i think she's with the new uh with the new um likeness deal she definitely make a whole lot of money not to say that that's probably that's the kind of person she is but she definitely makes some money now so congrats to her and keeping the streak alive yes congrats to her as well from all of us here at sega city sports and war media in our new home, which we'll discuss next week. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, other Olympic news, Lakina, uh, just real quick about the basketball. I did watch that game between U.S. and Iran live via my computer, via the Peacock app. Um, as we predicted in our last episode, the U.S. showed their dominance, uh, winning closer to 60 points over Iran. Uh, Zach Levine did his thing. Damian Litter shot the ball well. Uh, KD, Kevin Durant, uh, didn't get into foul trouble. Uh, he did his thing. Chris Middleton looked good in limited action from the Milwaukee Bucks. Drew Holiday, the same thing. Uh, well, I noticed about the U.S., they played team basketball on both ends. They were in the passing lanes. They were aggressive on the defensive end. The offensive end, they hit 19 three-pointers, I believe, uh, during that game. They were very high from the arc, uh, especially in that first half. I know they had the Czech Republic uh, later on today as uh, you listen to us on our podcast version. And that game is on NBC, the regular TV, so you can tune in to that, watch it live. Um, as we said before, uh, the, the, pool, the pool play should be a breeze for the U.S. But starting next week for the knockout round, round they, once you go, uh, go for a, a, a medal, uh, it's going to get tough. Uh, what I saw on Tuesday, I pretty much expected. Uh, they used the, the France loss last Sunday morning as a wake-up call. Yeah, I, look, I think that this is sort of the dominant team that we expect. I know it's Iran. This is their mm -hmm. first time playing in the Olympics in basketball. Mm -hmm. But, look, I think this is probably what you expected now. They should be able to hang on against the Czech Republic. They got a couple of guys from the NBA. But there's no reason why the U.S. shouldn't win that game and advance to the, um, to the medal rounds. And from what I've seen, a lot of the teams, they're not, everyone's got their issues. So, like, for people to say that, oh, my God, I'm not going to win a medal, they might just end up winning it because every, uh, everyone else in that, in the, um, that medal, in that, in that pool for, uh, for the men's basketball, 
they're all flawed. So I think I think I like the U.S. chances. Just saying. Hmm. Yeah, and we'll see what happens there, Lakina. Before we get up out of here, as we want to remind our uh, listeners on the podcast version, we are recording this on the Friday, as as we said before. We, uh, the, the trades could happen at any time that we are recording. Uh, according to Jeff Passett of ESPN, the New York Mets finalized the deal to uh, acquire second baseman slash shortstop Mr. Javi Baez from the Chicago Cubs. Yeah, I mean, I just saw that also to also Trevor Williams, who are one of the relievers, relief pitchers for the Cubs. There, he's going to the Mets as well, and we'll see what a what a haul that the Cubs got in return. I'm assuming that they got some pretty good prospects from the Mets. And I have not seen Chris Bryant yet be traded as of yet, but we'll see. I know that. that, I, know that I know the. Ta- I know Tampa. I, I'm sorry. I know. I know Tampa. You know they were very interested, but uh, yeah, we'll see. Go ahead, Sid. Sorry about that. Uh, call me crazy. I'm not saying this is a a a, a confident prediction, but. It seems to me that the Cubs have made up their mind that they're going to resign Chris Bryant. Since the only left, like. uh, yeah, he's him along with Wilson Contreras, alone one only two left from that 2016 core. It, uh, call me crazy, but there's no excuse for uh, the Cubs' management not to resign Mr. Bryant. And they're going to have a nice little, some nice money from the uh, from the marquee network. So. They're not gonna. They're gonna mm-hmm. have money to spend, so they, they can't play the they, they can't do the whole like cry poor. So with Wrigleyville starting to kind of be amped up again, let's hope that it can stay that way. I know there's some other stuff that's been happening, but we won't get to that. We won't go there, I should mm-hmm. say. But uh, yeah, there's really no excuse. I mean, if you can get it for like a nice discount, hey, might as well might as well do it, right? Yeah, might as well. All right, so before we go to break now, so you'll be happy to know that the track and field is starting. Yay. So you got the 400-meter yeah, hurdles from the, both the men and the women that will be this weekend. Also, two, I believe, the 100 meters for the women are going to be this weekend. I know I know, Shakuri Richardson, I know that some people are kind of have their issues with her not being able to pull to run, but, again, it's, it is what it she is. She won't be there, folks. Get over it. Yeah, it, it is what it is, so – also, yeah. too, the swimming, they're finishing up. Caleb Dress, who, always, who already has two golds already at a relay, and, and um, the 200-meter freestyle. He actually has a couple more chances to win gold. Kayla Decky also has a ch- chance to win gold in the relays. Also, you got the splash and dash for both the men and the women. The 50 meters, I love the 50-meter freestyles. One of my favorites. Think of it as like a 100-meter dash in, in swimming. So mm-hmm. that should be a lot of fun. So also, two 100-meter hurdles. So a lot of stuff coming up. You got the swimming finishing up, and now the track started to kind of get going with some of their big races starting to with the final. So a lot of stuff with the Olympics, too, of course, with the basketball, both men and the women. Mm-hmm. Also doing the medal rounds, the U.S. Just, just miss, just miss losing to the Netherlands. So they're in the, the semifinals. So they guys still got a chance to win at least a medal. So a lot of stuff coming up with the Olympics, no doubt. Yeah, so I can actually watch the Olympics now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. track and field on. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Make sure you check out the listings, folks. You know, you got on the Peacock app. Mm-hmm. If you have it, they have all day coverage. So if you're if you're up early, you can watch it there. If you don't want to wait until the NBC coverage starts, does start to like six or seven o'clock on prime time. But yeah, so a lot mm-hmm. of stuff coming up. So you know, you also got baseball too with all the crazy trades. Also, you got. Mm-hmm. Preseason of football is going to be starting next week with the, the Cowboys and the Steelers in the Hall of Fame game. It's just so much stuff going on, so I'm exhausted. <laughs> yeah, for those of you listening on our podcast, um, 
on uh, the podcast version. Your truly will be there at Sox Park tonight and tomorrow. Hopefully Craig Kimber, Cesar Hernandez, and Ryan Tapera will be there. It's going to be a party on the South Side, damn it. Yes, it is. <laughs> Bring it on, the AL Central Division Champs for 2021. Your Chicago White Sox. The party is on all day, baby. <laughs> all right. On that note, you follow me at Keenan McGee. Yay! <laughs> and at Keenan Oscar McGee on the IG. You can follow yours truly, Sydney Brown, on the Twitter in the IG at CK80. Once again, at CK80, that's S-I-D-K-I-D-8-0. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-8-0. You can follow this podcast, Second City Sports. First, right here on YouTube at War Media. Once again, at W-A-R-R Media. Videos drop every Monday and Friday. Once again, videos drop every Monday and Friday right here on YouTube at War Media. You can catch the audio version of this podcast at War on Anchor. We are available on all podcast platforms, including the iHeartRadio app. Make sure you type in those search engine boxes on your podcast platforms, W-A-R-R on Anchor. You can go to our website, weareregalradio.com, and you can follow us on all social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube at War Media. Once again, at W-A-R-R Media. That's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Thank you very much for your support. Like, share, subscribe, and tell your friends. All right, Lakina, wrap it up. All right, first said, I'm Lakina. Stay safe out there. And look, if you're not going to get the vaccine, you know, wash, just keep your hands washed still and wear a mask, please. You get the numbers are going up, unfortunately. So if you don't want things to get locked down again, I would advise y'all to wear a mask if you're not going to get vaccinated. But also, to, but also just to be safe and just be good to each other. So for Sid, I'm Lakia. This is Second State Sports Zoom style, and we'll see you next week. Let's go, Sox. Till next time. Holla! <laughs>